Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit. And they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Life would be so much better if you would act like a 20-year-old. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Treat them like the dog, but also be the dog. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. They don't want to tell me about their emotions, but they do want to tell me about who the top six point guards are this week. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. That is not what we're doing. Stop having fun and come back to the roadway. Welcome to this episode of the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we're talking about boys. Are we too hard on our boys? Yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Thanks for listening. I mean, that's what I figured. <laughs> okay. Bye. No, I, Guys, we'll see you next week. Great episode. I, Check us out on Facebook. Uh, I hadn't really considered this, but then I had, you know what Oprah calls an aha moment? Oh, I do. I'm sure there's a Oprah. Margaret term for that that would be a little bit less like a ovary punch <laughs> or something. Um <laughs> I had a real ovary punch. It's not that. Um, When I read an article um, by Wendy Mogul in the New York Times called Who's a Good Boy? And she asked the question in in the essay that she asks of her parents that she sees in her psychology practice. And the question is, what percentage of your communication with your son consists of nagging, reminding, chastising, or yelling? Um, 98.4%. I'm going to decline to answer. I'm going to take the fifth amendment. <laughs> you do not have to implicate yourself. On I don't. Podcast. Exactly. I don't want to be hauled away in handcuffs. So I'm not going to answer that question, but yeah, high, higher than yeah, with my daughter. Yes. High. Mm-hmm. Yep. Higher. Mm, higher than with my daughter. Yeah, definitely higher than with my daughter. I mean, my mind wants to say, like, that's because my daughter behaves much better than my son's, but... Well, that's it right. It doesn't change the simple fact of the that, matter. Yeah, that's what we're going to get into today is the, the, the expectations and how we've wronged our boys. And it's a weird, like, if it's a man's world, then how come it's so hard on boys? It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Wendy Mogul argues in this essay that it's, it's changed. So she's been a psychologist seeing families for 35 years. And she says, like... Back in the beginning, if a parent was sent to see her, it would be for a boy. But if a parent self-referred, which is what they call it when you know I, I need to see a psychologist for help handling my child, it would be for um, girls. And the girl was being bullied, or the girl, you know, had food issues, or whatever it whatever it was. But the people, if parents were concerned for their own reasons, it was usually for a girl. Okay. Now she says most of her self-referrals who come in are parents saying. I, I, I don't know what to do with this kid. Like this kid, like he's impossible. And mm. then when she asks what they say at school, the feedback is often, oh, it's cool. Like they love him he's at school. Fine. He's That's fine at school. Incredible. That happens to so many friends of mine. He's fine at school and he's crazy at home. Yes. And that, that happens to me. And Why so she, is that? Well, let's, let's get into it, right? So she says- and I think this makes a lot of sense, that our intellectual demands on children, like our school schedule, has gotten a lot more rigorous over the past True. True that. five years. And that, you know, human, um, we haven't, our brains haven't developed a pace. Girls mature faster than boys. They just do. Yes. And so a first grade girl is light years more capable of sitting in a chair and doing worksheets for three hours and then being picked up and being taken to karate and then coming home and having to sit nicely at dinner and then do an hour of homework and then like regimented, 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 that these are things that we're expecting young boys to do that 
they are slower to be able to do. I recently had this experience with your daughter. What, what grade is your daughter in? She's in fourth. Yes. So she's the same grade as my son. Although I think they're probably, they're probably close to, if not over a year apart age-wise, my son being younger. You brought your daughter to one of our shows and she just came backstage and was like, oh, how are you? And we chatted and she helped us with a couple of tasks. And then she made her way around to the front to sit and watch the show. And I just thought, this is a completely different world. Like if my boy was here, he would have been like crashing everything in the backstage, like unscrewing the light bulbs and experimenting with all the different theatrical equipment until eventually the theater was completely destroyed. And just like, ain't, 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 until you lost your mind, right? And you would have been well, distracted by yeah, that. yeah, or just, I just would never have thought, like, you know what would be a good idea? Have him hang out with us backstage before we do the show and then have him walk around to his seat. Like, that that, that would never have occurred to me. That would never have happened. Yeah, and we, and she was back there for about two hours just because it was the vigories of the of the theater where we were booking we had to hang out for a long time and she can hang out and if I were just a parent of that child I would be sitting here saying well that's because I know how to parent my child and I know yeah but because I am also a a mother of boys I I know that yeah at 10 she's just more able to act like a little adult than my sons were at that age yeah and that's shockingly so. I mean, shockingly so to me. The contrast is, I was very, very struck by it. I was like, are you in seventh or eighth grade? And it's like, no, she's in the same grade as my son. It's cra- It seems crazy to me. Yeah. They're completely different beings. It's, yeah. And so, and so these boys, we hold them to, we, we, we want them to behave, 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 behave all day. And then they come home and there's a, one of, one of the many people I've consulted over the years said that your kid has a sort of a cup of coping that they have and, and it can really empty out as the day goes on and they come home and they, they're just, they're just on empty. They don't have any So more. that's, right. and they are that's saving the ex- it to you. Why they can't behave in school, why they behave at school and then they can't, they can relax at home. I mean, this is how, you know, when I'm in a horrible mood and everything is going to hell, I am out and about during my day being like, hi, how are you? Oh, I like your pants. You know, oh, good to see you. How was the day? How the kids do great. And I come home to my husband and I'm like, I cannot stand one more second. Just leave me alone. (laughs) And it's like, I do the same thing. Like I'm out in the world. I'm not running around punching people in the face because I'm having a bad day, but I will come home and like basically kick my husband because I'm like, my cup is out. My cup is drained. My coping cup is empty. That's my new (laughs) phrase. That's my new catchphrase. I often say my, the lifeboat is full. Like we're, we're rowing as fast as we can. The lifeboat is full, but now it's my coping cup is empty. And she, Wendy Mogul gives the example of these kids. She's like, this kid gets A's at school and at home, he can't even flush the toilet. And I was like, yes, I, I, I like actually audibly gasped when I read that example because yeah, I don't want to be TMI or anything, but I have two teenagers and flushing the toilet is beyond their capability. Yeah. And I cajole and I wheedle and I ask nicely and I ask not nicely and they just can't seem to get it done. Their coping cups are empty. The things you got to remind boys of, it, it seems kind of surprising. All right. Ready for another angle on this? Wait. So take me back to the who's a good boy essay that okay. you were talking about. And what is it about? Okay. So she she suggests, Wendy Mogul suggests that, yes, we do all often spend way too much of our time saying, hurry up. Where's your you know, where's your guitar? Come on, get your shoes on. We're late, we're late, we're late. That that's how we talk to our kids and especially our boys. And that her solution is to talk to your boys like you talk to your dog. She gives the example of, I'm going to quote her here. She says, after a long car trip, we consider it natural for a puppy to run in circles. We don't get mad at him for needing to shake off that energy. We ask, who's a good boy? In a tone that the dog understands perfectly. It means I'm delighted with you simply because you exist. That's my back to one always. Like I always, we talk a lot about, Amy talks about on sets, like something goes wrong and you're like, we got to go back to one and put everything the way it was and start again. Like my back to one and my kids sometimes will say it to me. They're like, oh, mom, like, why couldn't the astronaut go to the moon? Because it's full. And I'm like, ha ha, that's funny. And my kids always say to me, your face doesn't look like you think it's funny. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, you're right. Because I'm lying. But I, that has become a little bit of a touchstone to me. Like your face doesn't look like you like these kids. Your face doesn't look like you enjoy being a mom. Your face, like 
no matter, oh, good job. You did a good job at school today. Like actually going back to one and trying. I find this with, again, my husband is in my boys category. I once was in an airport waiting for my husband and a guy in front of me got off the, you know, came down off the plane and uh, at the whatever checkout area. And there was a woman sitting next to me and he walked out and she stood up and she was like, okay, good. Finally, you're late. Let's go get your bag. I got somewhere to be. And I remember thinking like, oh, I, I don't want to be in that marriage, like where you haven't seen your husband for a while. And I'm standing there waiting to like jump on my husband and kiss him. Meanwhile, cut to 10 years later. And a lot of our relationship is like, oh, good, you're here. Let's go. You know, and I'm constantly resetting that thing of like, what is my face telling my husband? Like trying to be, treat him like the dog and be like the dog. Like be happy when he comes home, jump up and down when he comes home and smile. Like, and, and the same for the kids, like trying to get out of like, we're so busy. We have important, important things to do that. The important thing I forget to do is like smile at my kid when I see him at the end of the day, it's so easy to fall into that trap. And it's a pretty simple fix. Hug my husband when he walks in the door. Yeah. Be, be, you're right. It's like treat them like the dog, but also be the dog. Marshmallow is, is beside herself with joy when you walk back in the house after 15 minutes. I mean, she's just, and that's why, that's why dogs are good. I complain about my dog, but, but she just offers just love. I'm just happy you're you. And then, and we also do give that to our dogs. We give that back because that's what they give us. And we need to, yeah. So I've, I've been working on this. There was actually a study, which I think is interesting to bring up when you're talking about the facial expression, because I get called out from one of my kids for for having a face, my, I look like I'm listening, but I'm really not face. I get accused of this sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when I'm not listening and sometimes when I actually am, like when, when, when we, when it's time to talk about the Pokemon that have been caught. Yeah, I do put on maybe. Right. That I'm an actor. I put on. on a like, oh yeah, like, oh, ugh. tell the, me the, more. You know that about meme, Pokemon. the meme of the Willy Wonka, like leaning over with his chin in his hand, like, yes, tell me right. everything. Tell um, me everything about Pokemon. And he, and he will turn on me and be like, you're making that face. You're not <laughs> really listening. You're pretending to listen and you're not really listening. Okay. So there was a study, Dr. Edward Tronick from Harvard Medical School studied how mothers reacted with infant boys and infant girls. And his work showed that mothers started to restrict their facial expressions in response to their infants at an earlier age than they did with girls. Mothers actually like literally started to like give their boys less facially than their daughters. Hmm. And then there was another study in uh, just last year at Emory University, and it found that fathers gave their, gave their daughters more facially than they did their sons, that the fathers would react more, they'd sing more, and they'd sort of lean in more to that, you know, when the baby smiles and you say like, oh, are you smiling? Yeah, yeah. That the fathers would do that with their daughters more. And then this other study found out that mothers did that with their sons less. It's kind of sad, right? Yeah. I mean, always I demand a little bit of pushback about studies that are like, oh, you know, moms and dads ruining their kids' lives through facial expressions they don't even understand. It's, that's not true. It's fine. Like, but it's a good reminder where can we reset some behavior that we may not completely be aware that we're that, doing? Right, exactly. You are not like ruining your kids' lives because your husband doesn't smile enough at your sons. It's fine. Like, listen, we all survive. But I think this is a great example of stuff where there's some unconscious stuff going on. And I want to, um, I want you to talk about David Lancey because I feel like he is from the Margaret Abel School of Parenting <laughs> and I love him. He's an anthropologist. I did think of you when I when I yeah, saw this. Yeah, this guy is right up my alley, guys. Right up my alley. So he wrote a book called The Anthropology of Childhood Cherubs. And this is a quote from him. He says, Boys long to run errands, patrol distant fields, hunt in the bush, and if denied this opportunity, trouble awaits. And he argues that we need to have our kids be, and particularly our boys, be useful to us you know, carry that cord of firewood or whatever, be, do what my husband used to call it man work on the, on the weekend. He'd get the boys out in the garage with them to, I don't know, drag some stuff around, rearrange the shelves and he'd call it man work. And, and yeah, my, my little boys were so delighted with that. Yeah. And I don't even know if I'm super interested in like the gender aspect of it, which is like boys hunt, girls, dolls. Like what he talks about is Western educated, industrialized, rich democratic societies, which he calls 
weird societies as his um, acronym. And he says, weird parenting requires tons of oversight and curation and maximization of our children's lives, preferably by us. These norms disrespect and often ignore a boy's inherent need to move in Efforts to protect our sons. We've actually hurt them by boxing them in and not giving them responsibility. This is where I feel like this is the thing that I constantly come back to, which is our efforts to make our children's lives 100% perfect and self-actualized are working against a lot of things that occur naturally that we should relax a little bit more about. That thing of like, I can't smile. I'm too busy getting you to Chinese class. Like, it's a way of life that I constantly find myself being dragged into. I was just this morning looking at some stuff on Facebook and thinking, everyone's doing this better than me. Every Look at everything these people are doing with their kids. Tennis lessons. We forgot to take tennis lessons. Nah, look at all these other people taking tennis lessons. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, there is no thing going on out there that's making other kids better than your kids. Drop that from your line of thinking. I'm it's talking to myself. Yeah, it's harmful for kids. And and I think looking at this, this, I do think like, yeah, and yeah, a little bit more for boys. I mean, a, a little yeah. bit more for some boys, right? Some yeah. boys really need to roll around on the floor more than other boys, but all kids need it some. And um, you discover, like last night we were having kind of our garage playtime, driveway playtime. And what does that mean? Is that like colored chalk and uh, scooters? What's that? We about? just like, you have to stay in the garage. I put music on and we just are in the garage. In I keep saying garage. I mean, driveway. We're in the driveway for an hour and a half. And there's a yard too. I mean, people are running around, but there's a bunch of stuff in our garage and it's just an hour and a half where we're just outside time. Like it's outside forced fun. You know, we're, we're going to be outside. And in the course of that, my big guy picked up a skateboard and he just started experimenting. There's a small hill with like coming down the hill on a skateboard. And after a bunch of tries, he really started getting better at it. He was like, oh, I can ride the skateboard all the way from the top of the hill to the bottom, which is much more than I could do on a skateboard. And really just started figuring out like how to get both feet up on the board. Like he was really just experimenting with it. But he suddenly was like finding this incredible joy and just riding the skateboard down the hill. And my next youngest guy had found like those like paddle things that you play on the beach, like they're t tennis rackets, but they're just a wood, big wood paddle. And he was, I had a tennis racket and we were hitting the ball kind of just back and forth. For the, and then he started, he took my tennis racket, and he started hitting the ball against the side of the house. And I was like, wow, he's pretty good at tennis. Like he's really uh -huh. got a knack for it. He's pretty good. So this, this summer, like I'll send him up for a couple of tennis lessons and see if he likes it. But there's a lot to be discovered in playing unsupervised in the driveway for an hour and a half. Right. I think there has to be, I always, I always struggle a little bit with this, like, just, just get them outside because they don't, like, just set them free that that's not enough. But for you, there's a little bit of, of guidance there from you, right? Like, we're going to be outside now. It's time to play outside. And here's a bunch of stuff. But you weren't, you didn't bring over a skateboarding coach and enforce that right. we're going to do this. Right, and I'm... I'm only joining the scene like an hour in. Uh -huh. I'm making dinner the whole time. They're outside playing. And then I go out and I'm like, hey, look at you skateboarding. All right. Hey, look at you playing tennis. But they figured it out on their own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to put it, you put it in their path and then you let them kind of figure it out. I did something a lot more regimented this morning. After, after looking at some of this research, uh, you know, it's summer and the, as we're, as we're talking right now, and my boys deserve a break from the rigors of their school year and go, go, go and a hundred activities and sports practice. And, but they're, you know, they're lying around a ton and like left to their own devices to do what they want. It's a lot of video games and on their phones and right. an extreme crankiness when I That's, suggest that maybe something else should happen. That there's a sun outside that they might want to yeah. expose themselves. Yesterday, to. I yesterday I wanted the kids to um, to you know go swimming at around five o'clock, and, and my thirteen year old was like, "I've been so busy today." And I said, "Well, what did you do?" He enumerated the activities. He'd walk the dog. I mean, poor him. Mm, and he'd gone to get some lunch for himself and his brother at the at the store down the street. So I was like, "That's not really enough outdoors time on a beautiful sunny day." So anyway, this morning, I made everybody get up. And we all went for a, a bike ride this morning at nine o'clock together. I forced mean, march of fun, we call it. Forced, like, why do I have to do this? Why do you make me? And we all we all get on our bikes and we go. 
And, you know, after 10 minutes, some people are complaining like, like you're done when you're done, but we're all going to get up and do this. And I can already see the benefits that have been reaped. We all came back in a little tired, a little sweaty. Now I'm doing this and my kids are peaceably existing in the house together without scratching each other's eyes out, which is what happens when they spend too much time inside on video games. So I feel like you do have to sometimes make them do it. It's just, I'm not trying to make them be good at riding bikes or good at riding the skateboard. They just have to be engaged in a physical pursuit. It's like taking your dog to the park. You have to do it. My dog pees in the house if she doesn't go outside and run them. Yeah. Got to run them. Yeah. I mean, we do some of that and, and you just cannot overstate in the modern age, the fight against the screens. I mean, that's just a whole part of it where let them discover. It's like, oh, look, they discovered Fortnite again for four hours. Like, that's what they're going to discover. And so you got to fight against that. And that's why it's like, it's super fun outdoor playtime right now. And everyone can sit around and sulk for a half an hour. And then hopefully they eventually get up and pick up a skateboard. But it is super fun outdoor playtime, whether you want it or not. It's all about the branding, as as you and I both like to say. So super fun outdoor playtime is... Uh is great. You know, David Lancey, so the guy with the, with the, uh, talking about the weird societies. Yes. He has a I suggestion. Like he sounds very Iron John, right? Everybody just like go live in the woods and we'd all be better off. Go right. to Papua New Guinea and, and do what they're doing. But he, he also did a, did a thing with some kids who really do like to be on the internet a lot that the, there was a community where they could work together using a programming language and they created things. It sounded a little bit like Minecraft to me. And he, was it Scratch? It was called Scratch. Yeah. yeah my kids do Scratch. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So he thinks that's fine that like there's because it has collaboration and creativity. That's what boys need to thrive. And I think probably going camping for the weekend is the best version of that, but he's saying that you can do that online, but Fortnite is not really collaborative and community. But I Fortnite's think this Hunger is Games. a really important point. I have a kid who's very like sporty, daring, hikey, outdoorsy, and I have a kid who is kind of an orchid. Like he likes to be inside. He's not the most rough and tumble. He's not great at sports. And you have to balance also a little bit like what your kid's interests are. So maybe for him, I'm looking a little bit more for like online coding communities than a ropes adventure course. Like yeah. a ropes adventure course might not be in his strike zone. He's boys will be boys, but some boys like to be inside encoding. You know, not every boy likes to be outside with a giant hunting knife, like killing alligators. It's it's boys have different needs, but still I make coding guy participate in forced outdoor fun time. It's a good point though. You don't want to just exchange one sort of stricture for another right now. We're all going to, you know, use our jackknives all day long. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this, mom. It's not really any better. It's, it's letting them, it's letting them do what they want. I take Marshmallow out for a walk and I let her sniff and I let her think Mm -hmm. and I let her scratch and I let her go over here. And, and it's her, it's her 10 minutes of the day where she's in charge and I'm with her. So she doesn't get hit by a car, but she, it's her walk and she's doing what she wants with that time. Right. But Marshy doesn't like Fortnite. You've got to, you've got to factor that in. (laughs) There's only so much Fortnite she can play. <laughs> yeah, Marsh, she's not like, could we not go for a walk and instead I'll just kill people on my phone? Yeah, that's exactly. not it. All right, I think with that vision of Marshmallow playing violent <laughs> computer games, we should take a break and uh, we will well, come back and talk even more about this. When we come back, I've got some great ideas for how to sort of turn this around. I'm sure you have some too, but we're going to, we're going to fix this. We're going to talk to our kids like dogs. (laughs) Perfect. We'll be right back. Talking to your daughters versus talking to your sons from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Hi, sweetheart. How was your day? Fine. 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 Okay, so you know how Sophia has a crush on Cameron? Well, Alex decided that she'd tell everyone in the school about it, including Cameron. And then Sophia got so mad at Alex, and all of the girls got super mad at each other. But none of us did it. It was only Alex's fault. How did you sleep? Fine. 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 I had this dream when, like, I jumped at school, and then for some reason I started flying, and then everyone jumped, and everyone grabbed onto each other's legs, and then one person grabbed onto my leg, so they all got a ride in the air. And, oh my gosh, I forgot the most exciting part. 
notice your pal from volleyball hasn't been coming by as much. Did you two have a fight? No. 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 I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, um, so what happened was, you know how me, Emily, and Hannah are all best friends? Well, Hannah got sick last week, and then Emily got mad at her, but then Hannah didn't come to school last week because she was sick. And Hannah always wins the spelling bees, but because she was missing, Emily won it. And then when Hannah came back, she got really mad because she had never lost a spelling bee. So then she wouldn't talk to Emily anymore, and Emily got mad at me because I was still talking to Hannah. So now they're both not talking to me. What was your favorite part of school today, hon? Recess. Snack time. Lunch. Lunch. Music was great because we did this thing with puppets and then rewind. And then we started all the way back at the beginning. And then she said rewind two more times and then we started back at the beginning two more times. And lunch was great because I ate mac and cheese. And PlayStation was great because we got to see Olivia's poster before it. This has been Talking to Your Daughter versus Talking to Your Son. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. And you know how sometimes the things on your to do list that are the most important are also the things you are most likely to procrastinate doing? Oh, yes. I'm familiar with this. I mean, theoretically, if I had a to do list, I would be familiar with it. If something's really important, it's often also really hard because it takes time and there's research and follow up, and you know you have to do all those steps. And so you just keep putting that thing off. And then you end up with a kid who has no back to school doctor's appointment and they get expelled. I'm, not, I'm just speaking for someone else. Who that happened to. So that's why I really love our new sponsor, Haven Life Insurance Agency, because applying for life insurance used to be way too complicated. Can I admit something? Yes. I'm so confused by insurance. Like term life. I just, I find it very intimidating. Term life just means it's a determined length of coverage that you choose. That's the term. So it can be until your kids graduate college or until you pay off your mortgage 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Okay. I mean... That does make sense. Thank you. Second problem, a thousand different options for life insurance. So why Haven Life? Okay, so Haven Life offers term life insurance that's issued by Mass Mutual. And what Haven Life has done is simplified the whole process and put it online. It's super easy. You can apply anywhere. You don't have to talk to a salesperson, although they do have very nice customer service. And you don't have to wait weeks for a coverage decision. Haven Life tells you right away whether you were approved or not. Amy. Something tells me that Haven Life is backed and wholly owned by Mass Mutual, a 160-year-old insurer. And it's less expensive than you might think. I'll give you example guy, okay? He's your husband. He's 35. He's in excellent health. He could get a 20-year, $500,000 term policy for about $21 a month. I spend about $21 a week on Diet Coke, so that does seem like a bargain. So, Margaret, why not go to welcome.havenlife.com slash fresh and get a free quote to see how much term life insurance would cost you. That's welcome.havenlife.com forward slash fresh. Haven Life, life insurance that's actually simple. So another one of our sponsors, Trinova, sent both of us one of their brand new products to try. It's a multi-surface cleaner. Margaret, I'm a multitasker. You don't say, Amy. You? I'm a multitasker if you count playing Candy Crush while I watch The Bachelorette. I can do both of those things simultaneously. I do count that. And snack sometimes. I'm a tri-multitasker. Well, that's why you want one cleaning product that can go anywhere. And the Trinova Multi-Surface Cleaner, it works in the kitchen, in the bathroom. I used a little bit on my wood floor. In my kitchen, there were some footprints, and I just couldn't get out the mop. I couldn't face it. So I used a little multi-surface cleaner. Ba-boom, ba-boom. And they send you one of those, like, they're called microfiber towels, but they're like squishy squash towels. They're so satisfying to clean with. They're the best. It's the freebie of all times. I use that on my laptop, which was getting super grimy, and I cleaned it perfectly without any new streaks. You know how it usually happens? You clean it, and then it's worse. Not with the uh, microfiber. It's really good. It's all natural, naturally derived. No chemicals, so it's safe for kids and pets, but the best thing is it smells really good. It does not have any of that like chemically sting to the smell. We love Trinova's whole line of powerful cleaning products, and they've got a great deal for What Fresh Hell listeners. If you're an Amazon person, you just search Trinova on Amazon and use the code FRESHHELL at checkout to get 20% off everything Trinova. Or if you're one of those people who is terrified of 
Amazon's global domination, you can just go to our special page. You're going to go trynova.com forward slash fresh and use the code fresh hell for 20% off everything. That's go trynova.com slash fresh and enter the code fresh hell for 20% off and a free microfiber cleaning cloth. Get it, girl. Yummy smells. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Okay, we're back. Amy's going to turn it all around for us, guys. Well, okay. So we have a, we've already talked about Wendy Mogul's idea, which is talk to them like they're uh, your dog. And I, I have got to say, this has really transformed my parenting. I, 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 what it is, is I catch myself going to be the like, how many times do I have to tell you, you know, and I just, I hear it. It I'm dialing it back like 15%, but that's a really good start. I have to give a shout out to my kids, elementary school choir director. We just went to the fourth grade concert and it's a bunch of nine year olds and 10 year olds singing choral music and they're pretty bad at it you know <laughs> they're also 
a hundred of them up there together singing like six different numbers. I was very struck by the fact that she took a lot of joy in their silliness. Like it wasn't kind of like we will all stand together with our hands folded like so, and we will enunciate and we will sing. Like she really let them be silly. Like when the music kind of was upbeat, some of them would be kind of dancing around and she'd be like, I like those moves. And she really leaned in to what was fun about nine and 10 year olds. And I was so struck by it. And I was so struck by how it's different than the way that I often approach my own kids. Like life would be so much better if you would act like a 20 year old, but I'm missing out on the joy of having a nine year old by acting like that. That's a really good point. And I was just like, I keep meaning to write her an email. I'm going to write it today. And she's like, I just want to say like, good on you. Like the kids did what they had to do, but in between songs and whatever, they were pretty silly and joyful. And she kind of would be like, yeah, that is how this song makes us feel like silly. And she just really captured what, what their joyfulness and then translated it into singing. And I just was so struck by it. And it really kind of changed my outlook. Like, wow, what if I saw my kids who come home, like in a bundle of arms and legs, throwing backpacks in every direction. And instead of being like, this is an ordered household, put everything where it goes. Like just not that everything has to be chaos all the time, but like, wow, it looks like you guys had a great day. Wow. You look like you're in a great mood. Like it just trying to constantly reflect. And I'm not saying that I'm going to become the mom who every day is like dancing and to pick up with a giant smile on my face and being like, tell me your favorite part of the day, honey. Like, no, that's not realistic. But can I reset myself a little bit to be like, I have a rambunctious nine and eight year old. I have two rambunctious young boys. And the joyfulness of being in that phase of my life is something I should lean into as opposed to constantly trying to squash and making everyone frustrated all the time. Yeah, that's a good point. And you don't have to be, um, you're saying that makes me think of my son's brass band teacher who um, is a a much more low-key personality. Like she's not like, she's not like, hey, I love what you guys are doing. She's really low-key. She's my son's favorite teacher. And Mm. we've had some issues there because he loves brass band so much that as soon as he gets the trumpet out, he starts to play it. He starts to, you know, toodle on it. And of course there are 30 other kids that, She's got to tell to sit down and get their instruments ready. And, and my son's joy for the music, he just he can't help himself. He has to start playing it as soon yeah. as. And, and so, you know, and I talked to her about it and she's like, you know, it kind of drives me nuts, but what, what am I going to do? Like tell him not to love music so much? Are you kidding me? Like, I, you know, yeah. I, I hope for a kid like that. And I Ugh. just, and yeah, for me, that was like, okay. So she's like, yeah, you know, he drives me nuts. What can you do? Love I have another though. example of that, which is we have this little garage band that I've talked about where the kids from the neighborhood come over and we we play a song Saturday afternoons. And we were practicing whatever, Another One Bites the Dust or whatever we were practicing. And they started like rocking out on their instruments and doing a version of Do You Know the Muffin Man? And they thought it was really funny that they were playing Do You Know the Muffin Man? And my husband, who's smart, was like, let's do that. And they just like orchestrated a little like punk rock version of Do You Know the Muffin Man? And the kids thought it was hilarious. Like instead of being like, that is not what we're doing. Stop having fun and come back to the roadway. It's like, oh yeah, let's do what you, that's a funny idea that you just had. Let's try it, you know? And there's there's a million opportunities for that every day. And you're only going to take a hundred of them, but try to find them. So Wendy Mogul says, this kind of reminds me of something that she says. She says that you should try to be enchanted with your son's enchantment. And we joke about this all the time, but she's like, you know, boys want to be masters of a universe, any universe and collecting information is, is how they sort of prove their worth to themselves. And I mean, this is true for teenagers talking about the NBA or the NFL draft. It used to be Pokemon and then it was Moshi monsters before that. It's like my boys like to have exhaustive knowledge of, of a topic that may be of absolutely no interest to me. And then they want to tell me about it. They don't want to tell me about their emotions, but they do want to tell me about who the top six point guards are this week. And that you must, when they're sharing something they're enthusiastic about, be an enthusiastic and genuine listener and let them, let them tell you how much they know. Let them be the expert. Even if you also love point guards. Agree, except for the word must. Sometimes you should. 
you won't always be entranced by their entrainment. So yeah. it's not like you must always, with a light face, be like, tell me more about that point card. No. But sometimes try to listen to it and lean in and, and have a smile on your face. Right. It's something to, to try on for size and not, as my son said, do the listening face, but not really listening, but actually listening. Yeah. And for us right now, this is Marvel movies, Marvel characters, the Avengers Infinity War and what happens during it. Um, you know, stuff I could care less about. I have nephews who are six and five, and they have just gone down the deep dive of Yankees, like former mm. Yankees, like Mickey Mantle stats, and mm. just want to tell you Big all time. about it. And it's it's almost easier when it's other people's kids, right? I mean, I, I adore my nephews, and when they want to yeah. tell me all about they're cuter than your own kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're like, I'm in, I'm in. It's Reggie, hilarious. tell me all about Reggie Jackson. <laughs> right, right. 44. Old Logs alert. Back in my day. And I think, yeah, seriously. But I think it's probably, it's that I, I have a uh, much smaller uh, exposure uh, window to that than their own mother. But but yeah, it's an opportunity to make them feel good about themselves. She well, says. Well, have you seen the Mr. Rogers documentary? No, but it's like all over it's social all media, everybody's right? talking that it's going to save the world. But it, it is like, his gift is just being very interested in children. And that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like, be interested in your boys, you know, be interested in what they're interested in and just try to find moments. You're not going to spend every day delighting in this stuff, but try to find moments of like, I didn't know that the Hulk had that issue going on, you know, whatever stupid stuff I don't care about. <laughs> it's just boys. Sometimes you kind of forget that they need that and they do. So another tactic that Wendy Mogul talks about is she calls it shooting hoops. And we've talked about this also that you need to find, and this really applies to all our children, but probably our boys need an extra dose of it after all the hurry up. Why are you late? Why didn't you do this stuff that we give them? That the shooting hoop sort of tactic is to find ways of engaging with your kid that don't require eye contact, the connection and the important conversations will come at the most surprising times. I'm finding right now with my nine-year-old that it's bedtime. Like I, we, I go into bedtime just to sort of say goodnight. And we usually have like a 15 minute conversation. And it's sometimes like kind of intense. Like I think that's for him the time where like the sun's going down and he's things that he's worried about are bothering him. And I'm finding that like 15 minutes after everyone's in bed is a really good conversation time. And sometimes I lie on my back, so we're not like staring at each other, but sometimes we just chat and it's a good time. Um, I admire that because I, I would be like, is there any percentage of you that's like, oh my God, I want to go downstairs. I finally want to just have like time to myself. Oh, that's to- 100% of myself. <laughs> yes, correct. But you have your listening face on. But it's another example of like, I used to always go up and be like, let's read or I'll sit here while you read. It's reading time. Reading is important. Uh, I read a memo right, that said right. reading is important. And then I realized like that's a time of day where he's actually kind of nervous about stuff like nightmares or dreams or whatever. Like the the scary Jurassic Park thing you saw on YouTube later earlier is bothering him. And like maybe that 15 minute conversation is more important than reading. Absolutely. We'll try to do the reading some other time. But like I definitely have that problem of like I read the memo and we're supposed to be reading. So I don't want to hear about your problems. Let's read. (laughs) It's like, whoa, you are on the wrong track. I had lunch with my daughter yesterday, just the two of us, and you know, we immediately got into a deep conversation about like some current anxieties she was having, but it took like 40 seconds. You know what I mean? It just yes. was she's just much more those things are much more accessible to her. And yes. we and we tell we tell boys to clamp it down, right? You ready? Are you ready for another study? Yes. This is a study that I think is useful. I'm always so, ready for one of your studies. There's a, a biologist named Judy Chu. And she studied four and five-year-old boys over two years. And she found that at, you know, around four or five, they were just as good as girls at cultivating close and meaningful friendships, reading emotions, that that emotional life was very available to them. But then she found that by the time those same boys reached first grade and sometimes earlier, they traded in their empathy for what she called a learned stoicism and a greater distance, emotional distance from friends. And that they adopted that behavior at school and then went home and maybe fell apart. Yeah. I mean, I hear that point. I'm always a little bit leery of like the learned behavior idea. I don't know whether or not it's actually a learned behavior. 
Well, I mean, I guess what's the point is that they, they aren't like that. And then when they become school age, they start acting like that. So if it's not learned behavior, there's still a change. And, and why, why the change? And I think the biggest point of all is that whether or not it's a learned behavior, it's a behavior that's coming into your house that you need to learn to deal with. And so figuring out how to help your boys cope with stuff when they may not, for whether it's learned or not, you have to help your boys cope with their emotions that they may have more trouble accessing and expressing than your girls. Right, because then it might start to come out in ways that aren't so useful, like the hitting, like the uh, crying at the drop of a hat over random stuff. It's really, I think they would suggest it's really about sort of no place to put the emotions you're not supposed to have all day at school. And I think it also comes out a lot in, I know with my boys, boundary pushing, you know, naughty language, curse words, acting the fool when their friends are around, disrespecting me when they have a bunch of friends, boyfriends over, like that stuff starts creeping in. I don't know. My boys are the oldest, so maybe my girl's going to start doing it too, but I'm really noticing it with my boys. Well, I think the boys are much more interested in the sort of poop talk around the house. Um, oh, are we interested in that? <laughs> I know this is a clean podcast, but you know, if, if the three-year-olds can talk about it, uh, yeah, you know, saying TP and, you know, tushy and all that, it, versions oh. of that continue. And I do think that that's something that they like to do. And I, I, at least in my house, you do look, I look the other way in some of that. If it's not disrespectful, it's just super silly poop talk. I, I have allowed it. It does go away. We're not still talking well, about that goes- stuff. Well, it goes... It goes a little bit to like be the dog, you know, uh, love the dog, be the dog. Like it's fine. I think my kids get a huge kick out of it when I participate in that a little bit with them. And so I try not to be like, that is inappropriate. That is not the way we behave in this. Like I'm like, okay, right now it's yo mama jokes at our house. That is the hot comedy commodity at our house right now. (laughs) It's pretty much all we do all day, every day. And I kind of lean into it a little bit with the boys, you know, like I try to like joke along with them, but I'm also like, please don't tell your mama jokes to like grandma, you know, it's like, know know your place. You gotta, you gotta work the room, right? Know your audience. It's the first rule of comedy, Amy. I'm just trying to instill what, you gotta teach what you know. I'm trying to instill what I know to these kids. I feel like as boys get older, what's maybe more tricky about them is that you have to sort of get at what's underneath what they're saying. My uh, my son and I just went on a vacation together. I sort of, I chaperoned a trip he was on. And as we were getting close to the trip, we were going to Spain. And as the trip got closer, all of a sudden he was saying, oh, I don't want to go. It's going to be dumb. I mean, it probably won't be fun. Why am I going anyway? And at first I was getting a little irritated. Like I'm, we're putting together this nice trip for you and I'm you know, setting aside a week of my life to come with you. But then I realized that he, it wasn't really that he didn't want to go. It was that he was worried about he going. He was nervous. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was coming out as sort of low grade irritability at the whole thing. Why are you making me go on this trip? And so, and of course, then when I said, so I did say, are you, are you feeling a little worried about going? Are there things about the trip that concern you? No, no. He brushed that off. But then, you know, later that night came back on, well, how will we know where we're supposed to be going when we get off the plane? That, that kind of thing. And I just had to dig a little deeper and make more room for that and not clamp down on his irritability immediately. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think what we're arriving at throughout this whole conversation is that it's tempting to fall into a pattern of just being constantly annoyed with our annoying boys because they're annoying <laughs> and loud and break stuff and they're annoying. And so, yes, knowing what's underneath that is important. Yes, what is my face doing now towards your kids and your husband is endlessly important. You know, like trying to like greet them happy and reset back to one all the time of like being happy. But at the same time, you're not going to live your life constantly peeling back the onion of like, what is going on with my boy's inner life? And I think there's a trap there that a lot of moms fall into. And it's kind of the sitcom mom who's like, come and talk to your mother about what's going on. Like they don't necessarily want you peel on the end in 24 hours a day. Yeah. It is good to keep in mind, like how can I help this kid get through the day and help and guide them? But as I've said previously on the podcast, you're the cut man. You're the corner man in the boxing ring. Like your kid is in the fight and they should just come back to you. Like you don't follow them into the ring and be like, next you do this, next you do that. Like you're a sideline player in this whole thing. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, uh, this was really an important episode for me to sort of think about. And I, I really needed to sort of readdress this and go back to one on this issue. And so I'm glad we talked about it. Back to one. Same thing <laughs> at my house. I'm going to light up like Christmas morning when my kids walk in the door today. I'm going to be like, you guys, I'm so happy to see you. And the next time I hear about the Pokemon and what they, what do they call it? You know, when they like transformed the new, they evolve into a new Pokemon. I really should know mm. this by now. See, don't I don't know. know. I'm not really, I'm not just going to put on my listening face. I'm going to actually listen and I'm going to come back mm. and tell you all what it's called. No, don't do that. Do <laughs> not come back and tell us. We don't want to know. I mean, I don't, I'm not prom- making any promises about Fortnite or, um, but some of the YouTubers, like, I'm like, yeah, that's not interesting to me. That's also an important lesson for your kids. I say it to my kids all the time. It is important to learn when people are not interested what you're talking about. That's one of the life lessons I'm giving them too. <laughs> but some things you have to try to at least pretend to be interested in. We want to know how it's working out with the boys at your house. And there's a lot of ways you can tell us. You can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast. Or you can find us on Instagram also at What Fresh Hellcast. Please put some pictures of your boys up on Instagram and show them oh, to us. Oh, do that. That'd be fun. And on Twitter at WFH Podcast. I'm going to put the links to all the research and things we discussed today and Wendy Mogul's great article on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. And we want you to come to Facebook because we're having a conversation about what you guys want to hear about on our next episode. And so we want you to come to our Facebook page and tell us on that thread what you want to hear us talk about on our next episode. And with that, guys, that is it for us. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.